Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of The Darius Show. If you're new around here, let me give you a quick little rundown of how we do things here, a little lay of the land. My name is Darius Cook, as always, and I I watch a show, I talk about that show, you listen, and you enjoy. Today, we're jumping right into things with Love Life Season 2. Love Life is an HBO Max original series. If you've listened to the show already, you may have already listened to my Season 1 recap, review, and discussion. I really like Season 1, and I enjoyed Season 2 even more. So without further ado, let's roll the intro and get right into it. It's the Darius Show, y'all already know. Drop your booty to the floor, come give me some more. It's the Darius Show. It's the Darius Show. All right, Love Life Season 2 is the second chapter to the anthology series of Love Life, created by Sam Boyd, and this time around it's starring Jackson William Harper. If you aren't familiar with that actor already, he actually plays the character of Chidi in The Good Place, something I consider to be just a stellar performance. In this season, he brings it just as hard, if not harder. Uh, I'm convinced that this guy is one of the best actors in the game right now. He did an excellent job of bringing all the layers of different complex emotion here. If you're not familiar with the series already, as I said, it is an anthology series that tends to follow certain characters as they navigate their adult life, essentially. Season one was starring Anna Kendrick, and I had a really fun time watching season one. All the ups and downs of her life and relationships, all the heartbreak that's involved. And season two does not shy away from it either. I would actually say that season two elevates the the layers of emotion that exist uh, for our character Marcus Watkins here. One thing I notice is that it seems like almost nobody is watching the series, uh, season one or season two. But especially season two, every anyone who I asked just word of mouth about it hasn't even heard of the series, which is perplexing to me because this is as far as the you know realistic love drama type of storytelling goes. I don't think that there's anything doing this better. It is comedic at many times. It's a very funny series. It's also realistic. It's raw and it's dramatic. Uh, if I were to compare it to something that came, I mean. Uh, knocked up you know that knocked up is definitely a more uh, comedic type of storytelling but there's a lot of movies that are similar in that vein where they are telling a love story but it's brutally honest and raw and that's very much so what's happening here in this series because I haven't heard of anyone watching it I'm I'm scared that the show won't have uh, more room to tell more stories or they won't get renewed for a third season but it is my great hope that they will and uh, as as a part of that, I actually am going to dedicate the first half of this review to not being spoiler-based. I just want to kind of convince anyone who might be listening to this to give the show a try because, I mean, it's raw, it is dirty, but uh, I think the catharsis that comes with this show and the emotional growth that you get to go on these characters with is well worth your time. If you haven't given the show a try, please do watch this show. It is really amazing. So without going into spoilers, in episode one, it opens up to Marcus Watkins. And for this character, he's been in a marriage for a number of years already now. And it's clear that it's essentially a dead marriage, at least on his end. He doesn't have that passion there. He you can see that there's a clear disconnect from the marriage that he has to the emotional state that he's in. Another aspect to the character is he's an editor, like a book editor, and he works for what seems to be a fairly successful company. And he's doing pretty well at his job. 
That being said, there's, again, a disconnect from the success that he should be experiencing with his status and the happiness that he experiences in his life. And throughout the show, you're really dealing with that. On paper, this is a person who should be successful, should be happy. He has a support system. He has friends and family around him and, you know, and is a great potential date prospect, of course. But there, there's personal work that has to be done for this character. And you get to really see every step of that journey for him as well. At the risk of sounding like a broken record, I think that the best thing that this show brings to the table is its realistic depictions of its characters and the situations around. And what I mean by that is we get to see Marcus when he is at an emotional high plenty of times. We see him when he's feeling confident for certain circumstances, but we also see him at his low. And that's, that, and I, that might not sound like the most unique thing, but we see this character ex- experiencing high anxiety. We see him feeling manic. I even feel like I've seen him being bipolar at times. But that sounds crazy on paper, but what we're seeing is nothing short of what everyone's regular experience is, or at least the experience of myself and the people that I see around me. You know, everyone, these emotions are not mutually exclusive. You know, he's a very real character, and you get to see him grapple with all aspects aspects of his life. Um, I just really appreciate that the show... The show shows you how he's like when he has these W's, how he, how he's like when he has these societal perceived W's. By all accounts, he is successful, but just because he's being successful career-wise or or maybe has a, a good girlfriend on paper and a nice relationship, that doesn't necessarily ring true for his emotional life. And I, I can't even count the amount of times that a, uh, one of the emotions that Marcus was experiencing just rang true to my own life. And that's because they don't shy away from showing you every aspect of their life. Uh, without really going into spoilers, there is a moment in the show towards the later half of the series that you actually see him navigate his COVID life, which I was not ready for that at all. And we'll definitely get more into that when we get to the spoiler part of the series. But the the raw the, the raw experience that they were actually able to reflect back to me while watching that episode, again, just really surprised me. And it's just another reason why this show continues to be a great representation of just what life is in general, but especially what love life is. So I quickly realized here that I'm not going to be able to talk much about the show without getting into spoilers, so I am going to make that transition here soon. Each episode is a significant chapter in our main character's life, and because it is his love life, there's a lot of ups and downs to that. And so it's pretty hard to actually talk about the events without going into, into direct spoilers, So I am making that transition here, guys. And again, if you are listening here just for that recommendation, I really do think you should give it a watch. Just be prepared to go on an intense journey. At times, you're going to love the character, and at times, you're going to hate him. And it's all a part of life. Love life. Give it a watch. All right, spoiler warnings. Here we go. So in episode one, we open to Marcus Watkins at a wedding reception. Uh, It's taking place at a bar. It's just a big fun party. And it's actually revealed that this is Darcy Carter's wedding ceremony from season one. This is from her relationship with Magnus is his name. I still hate that name, but uh, it was nice to see kind of the context of this world. We're starting our journey with Marcus at the at kind of the middle point of Darcy's relationship. For her, we started it kind of we started her journey in her early 20s, around 22, 23 and for Marcus, it's definitely further down the line. I think he's about 27 to 30 range, let's say. 
and their acquaintances that he knows Darcy Carden, but really that's just a setup to jump into where this character comes from. If the show does continue and repeats this pattern, I'd be really excited to see who in the background might be spun off into getting their own love life season. But that's besides the point. As we open up, Marcus Watkins is in a marriage. He's been married for a few years now. And it's clear that at least on his side of things, things are dead. His wife, uh, as far as I can tell in the way that they show her, she isn't doing anything wrong. She uh, is just maybe at a different point that he is in life. She's wanting to have a good time and everything, but she's very much so invested in their relationship. And you can see her try multiple times to keep things alive. Um, that being said, from his point of view, I think that uh, she's they're just not up to the same speed. And again, there's nothing that that the show does to make you feel to vilify his wife. She's a good character, but you can really the show vilifies Marcus because you you know that he isn't going to be in this relationship for long. But you just want him to cut the cord, you know, uh, don't don't make this longer than it has to be. But anyways, at this wedding reception, he actually meets uh, a big character in the series named Mia. And uh, as soon as he meets her, uh, it's lightning in a bottle. You see that chemistry fly off the screen right away. Love life in general has conditioned me to not trust it whenever there's chemistry. That always makes me think that we're just getting teed up for a heartbreak, at least after season one. Whenever you really like a character, odds are they're going to just rip you away from them. But anyways, uh, they, they establish a great, rela- uh, a great connection uh, and they even exchange contact information over the guise of uh, exchanging books, uh, a book recommendation that he had mentioned to her. Uh, as we play out the events of episode one, basically you see Marcus engaging in what definitely can be referred to as emotional cheating. Um, he isn't crossing any lines. He's not saying anything lewd, no outright flirting with this girl, but he is emotionally connecting with her in a way that he isn't with his wife. He's disconnected from his wife in bed. He's just sitting there texting this other girl, Mia, and all that uh, all that emotional availability that he should have reserved for his significant other is going towards this person who's an acquaintance becoming a friend at this point. Uh, over over the course of that plot line, you see it. You see that line getting blurred just a little bit. Uh, the characters even outright say to each other that they are flirting, even though they still never cross that line. There's a point where the narrator says that there have been a few different times where Marcus has gone up to the line but hasn't crossed it. He's essentially he's flirting with danger. And I think that this type of behavior is a red flag for anyone in a relationship, even though Marcus as an individual isn't willing to outright cheat on his girlfriend because he does have that morality. Emotional cheating can often be even worse um, because you are giving your heart away in a sense, even though he didn't physically cross that line. He's basically found himself a loophole. The episode crescendos in a, in really a heartbreaking scene. I, I don't think that there is a heartbreak that is topped in season one or season two. Uh, season two, episode one really does bring it here. And Marcus's wife, when he comes home, she's basically looking on his iPad and can see his messages that he's had with Mia. And the one that cuts deepest is, I feel like I can't even talk to my own wife about this stuff, or you understand me better than my own wife does. And you, and you just see that heartbreak on her face that and it truly cements that emotional cheating can certainly be much more damaging than a physical one, let's say. Uh, of course, that is the end of their relationship, and it sets up the events for episode two. You would think that since Marcus, you know, kind of 
really stepped in it with his wife and that that relationship ended the way it did, you would think that would free him up to go pursue a relationship with Mia, this person he's had a great connection with on the side. However, it's kind of a bad timing situation. He soonly there realizes that she's actually dating like a famous basketball player or football player. I'm not quite sure. I'm not a big sports guy, if you guys haven't already picked up on the fact, because I'm just a nerd who likes to watch all these TV shows. But <laughs> um, uh, basically, it's bad timing. Um, even though he's freed up at this point, she's not in a place where she's ending her relationship or anything. They're not single. So that the, the whole Mia conversation comes to a close, at least for now. Um, anyways, this is where the show actually makes a transition, in my opinion, to uh, being more about a, a, a show of somebody, of Marcus Watkins picking up the pieces of his life and then rebuilding it. Um, again, like I said, I think he's about 30 at this point in his, in, in his life. He already has his career. He's already had this marriage. And now that they have to get divorced, the real, the real meat of the story starts here as he has to refigure out who he is. He has to refigure out dating. He hasn't done it. And I think they, they reference seven years. And and basically you see him go become a person again. The same type of journey you might get in your early 20s when you're kind of figuring out the type of person you're going to be for the rest of your life. You're seeing that uh, he has just been in this same position up until now. And it's not until this point that he's really being challenged to grow. Um, of course, that type of growth comes with a lot of growing pains, which we'll get into right away here. Similar to season one, uh, following Anna Kendrick's character, each episode is framed uh, in frame and named around uh, a different romantic exploit of Marcus, uh, a different focus for that episode, essentially. And the first one that we jump into after his divorce is a really cringy one, honestly. And he essentially meets a girl at a bar. Uh, they kind of kick it off. You know, they do have some kind of connection. It's all cool beans. Why not? And essentially, she says, do you want to go back to my place? You know, they do that whole thing. And then slowly you start to realize this girl is not as old as Marcus might have thought he she is. Again, at this point, I think he's let's just say 30. We'll call him 30 at this point of his story. And she is staying in a dorm. <laughs> yeah, I know. So uh, it's not as terrible as it seems. I think she's 22, which, again, we're just we're just blurring the line of what's kind of socially acceptable here. Uh, what makes it, it would be maybe more okay if she had her own place, but again, she just lives in a dorm. She doesn't have any roommates though. She is the, she's the floor supervisor, RA, I think it's called. And <laughs> as he's entering this dorm, you're really getting a sense. You're getting that, you know, your spider senses are tingling that maybe you should get the heck out of here, man. Uh, there's actually a really funny scene that he has to basically sign himself in as a visitor and there's a security guard that he's signing in with, and he just looks at him like, come on, man, really? Which is what the audience is feeling. At least that's what I felt watching him going into this situation. Uh, the girl basically, she does a lot to make sure that he feels comfortable. She can kind of see that this is a weird situation for him, but she's all into it. She wants to keep the party going. Um, they do end up having sex, which th this whole situation of is this an okay situation for him to be in, I mean, the, the year gap isn't that crazy. It's really just about the stage of life. I mean, this is literally a college student staying in a dorm, and this is a 30-year-old man who has just gotten out of a marriage and has his full-on career, you know? Um, the, the moral dilemma that's presented here reminds me, if you guys have ever seen Rami on Hulu, it's a, great, it's a really great series, but 
there's a similar relationship. Actually, not similar. This one is much more ma- morally ambiguous, but uh, there is a, a vague relationship that is explored, and the whole time you don't know if you should be rooting for it or not. Um, overall, you shouldn't be. But again, uh, Rami, great, great series, but th- this does harken back to similar situations that are set up and explored in that series. Uh, I want, One thing I will say is that Marcus never really gets his comeuppance from the situation. It certainly does inform his character and is a major building block to kind of set up the kind of person he wants to be after this. But I do think it would have been a nice touch to have another character find out about this situation and maybe call him out on it later. However, uh, the this little story book ends with uh, the narrator informing us that uh, for for her, this would just be another random fling that she'll probably forget about. But for Marcus, this is going to be probably a low point in his life that he's going to have major regret over. Uh, they even say that later on, she passes him in public and doesn't even notice, doesn't even recognize him. So that's how insignificant an event this is for her. But for Marcus, this is a, a major turning point for him and one of his lower points that he gets to. At this point in the series, I think that it is fair to say that Marcus is dealing with a midlife crisis. Uh, At least he's stepping into the beginnings of one. Um, The next chapter is you see him uh, basically start a whole new relationship uh, with another female character. Uh, One thing that is interesting to note is this is Marcus's first black relationship, technically, uh, at least that we get to see. And it is mentioned that he never had a black partner in the past. That is an interesting conversation that doesn't truly get a big spotlight on it. It is brought up a couple times that Marcus has never had a black relationship before the events that we see. But it is just an interesting conversation that I wish they dove into a little bit more. I happen to be a black male who has never had a black female partner either. Uh, Much like Marcus, I am currently in my uh, first and only relationship. Uh, So that is relevant. And I actually just would... I was excited to see them explore that conversation a little bit more because I do think it's a really interesting one. I do like the relationship that he has with her. There are a couple moments that we see that he doesn't see the world as uh, the same way that she sees the world. Uh, They're not operating with the same lenses. She is into crystals. She's a little bit more into astrology, which Marcus being the more logical, uh, very, very logic brain person that he is, he definitely doesn't give any credence to that concept. And you can see the inklings of that being little little hints to you, the audience, knowing that this relationship isn't going to be long-lasting. However, it's during this relationship that we get another encounter with the character Mia. She comes back into the fold a little bit. And reverse of the situation that we got before, and this time she's actually single, and Marcus is the one that's in a relationship. This is kind of a bad timing situation, you know, something everyone has certainly encountered in their life where oh, I think I could really have a connection with this person, but due to the circumstances, that's basically not possible at this exact moment. It's after this interaction that Marcus has with Mia that sets up uh, kind of a background catalyst. I don't think Marcus acknowledges it himself at any point in the series, but he realizes that the connection he has with Mia is so much stronger than this relationship that he's been trying to cultivate with this new character. And he basically starts to have uh, erectile dysfunction over it. Uh, I don't know if that's technically the right term to describe it because it is short-lived, but essentially he isn't able to sexually perform with her. And it's of no fault of her own. Again, this show really doesn't vilify the people that he's in relationships with. 
um, it, it continues to show that Marcus is the problem. The reason why these relationships aren't working out is because Marcus hasn't grown up enough to deal with certain things, you know? And I, I just think that's really interesting. And now that I'm talking about it, I will say that in season one, Darcy, a lot of her relationships, the male partners were the problem. They were the toxic part of the relationship. And it was just working on her as a character to leave that relationship. And when you get from to this point of view, Marcus, which is a male point of view, obviously, he is the main problem. Most of the females that we encounter don't have that much development to go through themselves. They are they're they're awesome people in their own right. It's Marcus who needs to get there. And uh, I don't know if this is a critique or not, but it is worth noting that from the from the point of view of who uh, whoever the team behind the show, it does kind of feel like there's a bit of uh, vilifying of males in general, which certainly is a valid uh, thing to do in this day and age specifically. But it's just something I notice in real time here. Uh, I wonder as I go through this conversation, will that be continue to be present? Anyways, that relationship eventually does come to a close. And because Marcus at this point in his life isn't, he, he hasn't grown up enough to know how to navigate these situations well enough, it blows up in a pretty nasty breakup. Uh, Ola is the name of the person he's been in this relationship with. Actually ends up being really upset with him and calls him a little man. Uh, to this point, she has honestly been great about the fact that he hasn't been able to sexually perform with her. Uh, she's really taken it on the chin and tried to explore different ways to kind of get him there and has been really patient with him. But basically, it comes, it, she comes, when she walks in on him essentially masturbating in the shower, she realizes that, okay, so this is clearly something that you need to figure out on your own. I'm not going to be able to help you out here. And again, she calls him a little man, which I'll put a pin in that for now because it's definitely a sentiment that'll ring true a little bit later for the character. But again, it was a great little chapter getting to spend time with this character, Ola. And again, this is molding him a little bit. These are he's taking these hits on the chin right now, and it's really going to inform him later down the road. The next chapter in Marcus's life is a is a pretty interesting one. Uh, at this point, he's kind of taking the pressure off himself to cultivate what's going to be a long term relationship and just explore relationships in general. And this comes in the form of Becca Evans. I like this character a lot. She was a lot of fun. They essentially are friends with benefits at first. And there's even a pretty funny scene that happens where uh, she introduces a third partner into the mix and they have like a threesome um, that that. I don't know if there's there must be more that meets the eye to how uh, that threesome plot comes in, because I don't think the show would just introduce it as just like a comedic soft beat. Um, maybe it's to inform us that Marcus isn't the type to have that kind of frivolous relationship. Marcus at his heart is kind of a lover boy and is just the type to connect more deeper than that. Um, but it was a fun little scene there. And uh, something that really caught me off guard is essentially Becca gets pregnant. Um, uh, this, as far as any relationship that we had seen so far, actually fleshed out in the series. This one had the lowest stakes. Uh, they do have a connection, but at no point do you feel like these characters are emotionally reliant on each other or even have to date. They definitely have a good thing going. And uh, that all comes to a head when she reveals to Marcus that she's pregnant. Marcus's initial reaction is, you're not going to keep it, right? And it sets up a major conflict between the two of them where, of course, I'm going to keep it. And what's really interesting is she puts no pressure on Marcus at all. And at first, you really think Marcus is going to 
be an asshole about this. You, she basically lets him off the hook. She says, hey, you don't have to be a part of this baby's life. I'm good. I'll be able to take care of it, you know. And 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 we basically see Marcus really wrestle with this idea. And he actually brings it up to the people closest to him in life. And I will take a quick segue here to just talk about the relationships Marcus has in his life that aren't romantic. And the the main way that these come through are in his two best friends and with his sister. His sister is such a good character in the show. Uh, I actually think that she's a stand in for Darcy's best friend from season one, Sarah, who, in my opinion, if you watch my first review, you would know that she's the she's the secondary main character in the series. I think the show does a great job of having multiple plots flushed out in the background. And uh, Marcus's sister is pretty much present in almost every episode. And she's always there to support Marcus. She has her own stuff going on. They have a bickering relationship at times, but at the end of the day, she is so there for him and he and he her. I really like their dynamic and uh, the advice that she gives to him is really strong as well. And the second relationship that I want to go into is Yogi. He's truly Marcus's best friend. And every time Marcus is wrestling with something, Yogi's there to give him great advice. Yogi is absolutely the comedic relief of the series. I'm not familiar with this actor beforehand, but I'm so curious to see what else he's in because he brought the comedy so hard in this series. But Yogi is his best friend. Yogi has, I think, two kids. I want to say three by the end of the series. Um, but he basically gives him advice saying, hey, man, like you got to you got to step up here and and really, really letting him know the value that being a father can bring to his life. And by using his own personal experience, Yogi is clearly someone who was a troublemaker in the past, I'd like to say. He's all over the place and he's always looking for a good time. But his character in the series is defined by his fatherhood and his dutiful presence towards that. So again, I really do like just the way that he kind of pushes him, uh, pushes his friend to step up and kind of be a man. And, you know, like I've been saying here, Marcus needs to grow up. And I think that this is the this is the biggest turning point in the series for Marcus uh, that that he starts to wrestle with. Do I need to be a father? Am I going to step up in this way? He didn't want to. But again, after he talks to some friends and really wrestles with it, this is the big the the first major character shift, in my opinion, that. Uh, he's never been truly a bad guy at any point. He's just doing his best. But at this point, he's making the decision to really step up, to be a man. What kind of man do you want to be, you know? Of course, as soon as he makes this decision, you're so proud of him. We find out that, unfortunately, the baby, there was a miscarriage and the baby uh, is no longer being born. Uh, of course, that's a relief uh, from the audience in some way. But the the heartbreak that comes from you know, Marcus and Becca had finally gotten a good page where they were going to do this together, not necessarily as a relationship, but they were going to raise this kid together and be a team about it. And as soon as they had come to terms with that and started to get excited about it, even that was taken away from them. Um, I've seen a lot of miscarriages happen in my own personal life, uh, just of the relationships of people around me. And if you have to, you know that this is really one of the truest heartbreaks. I mean, just getting yourself to that point uh, mentally where this is your expectation only for that to go away is truly heartbreaking. And it's certainly a somber note that comes right in the middle of the series as well. Bold move. As Marcus is dealing with the concept of being with a father, uh, I forgot to mention that he is actually reconnecting with Mia again during this time. And what's really nice is to see these characters actually just engage as friends. That connection is still clearly there. 
before these characters, they've decided, okay, if we're not going to be together romantically, let's at least have a friendship, you know? And their friendship, again, is just so strong. And I actually do believe that these characters could operate as friends. I think a lot of times the connection is such that if you're not going to be romantically involved, you kind of can't be involved. Um, and that's just an unfortunate truth of a lot of uh, relationships that do exist in the world. But I do think that for these characters, I like them as much just as friends as I do romantic partners. And at this point, I can't even tell if I want them to be romantically involved or not because, like I said, this show conditions you when when a good romantic connection is established that that is only going to go away. So I, at this point, I was actually pretty content with them being just friends. But the the strength of their relationship really comes when he basically laments to her that the baby passed away. And even even when he tells her that he is ha- having a baby, the way that she's there for him and the kind of support that she provides is really strong. I really like it. And it's one of the highlights of the series is honestly in multiple ways. It's just showing how to be there for people, what it's like to support the people around you in your life. So it, it's after they're they're really just talking about this whole situation. We pick up the pieces of that a little bit and we, we see Marcus at this point, really, he has a new lease on life. Again, I think that the whole plot with Becca and the potential becoming a father propelled him a lot forward to really just make the decisions that he needs to to become the man that he wants to be. And it's with this newfound confidence that he's able to basically profess his love to Mia. Hey, do you want to do this, Mia? Like, let's do this thing. I know you like me. I know we have a connection. Let's just get after it, you know? And we actually see, you know, this is just past the middle point of the series, we see these characters get together. I'm super excited for this, but again, just cautiously optimistic because I know that this show likes to give you things and take it away from you. So at this point, I'm happy to see these these characters connect. But coming in at episode six to seven, I'm very skeptical that it's going to last. So as we go into episode seven, we actually got a really big surprise. I didn't expect this to happen. We didn't get any episodes like this in season one and it's from the perspective of Mia our other romantic counterpart here and I really appreciate that they do this they were basically setting up what is the the major romantic foil plot of the series and we actually get to see where the other half of this storyline is coming from so Mia basically goes to visit home and help her mom out with some stuff and you basically get these nuggets of information that Mia actually has a very uh, messed up past let's say she growing up was always the individual who had to take care of her mom instead of the other way around. And uh, growing up, she always vilified her own father because her father leaving is the reason why they were put in this situation. Um, Something very, very understandable, of course. Uh, That being said, as she is coming back home, she sees that her mom is back with her father. Uh, That sends up red flags for Mia uh, off rip, of course, because Mia's whole life, she had to grow up taking care of her mom. Her mom was an emotional wreck and instead of getting to live what would be a normal childhood let's say she had to basically be the parent and without a dad there to support it either um i would be the same way as mia in this situation just hating the fact that the mom actually got back together with him especially originally it just feels like the mom is just being flippant and weak um that being said over the course of the episode you see that there is a true connection there and it's a uh, it ends on a hopeful note of redemption and that no matter what the circumstances is, there is always kind of a path forward. And as long as individuals are willing to accept what they've done in the past, take responsibility for it, and genuinely try hard to fix it, that there 
at least is always that potential of growth and of fixing things, let's say. However, it is at this point that Mia does something that is just kind of terrible, and she basically cheats on Marcus. Um, The motivation of this kind of throws me off a little bit. I kind of don't really understand the perspective she's coming from, even when she explains it to Marcus a little bit later down the road. But basically, she feels like things are out of control in her own life, and she basically makes a chaotic decision. Um, maybe, you know, when I get to, when I start to talk about that episode, I might rewatch that scene and when she explains it to him to maybe see if I get a better perception on how that, what, what was motivating her in that moment. However, uh, she's just, just sickened with guilt. And, uh, as she returns home to Marcus and he actually has a big birthday surprise plan for her, which is just heartbreaking. Cause you can just see the amount, the amount of guilt that's on her face especially as Marcus is just basically being a great boyfriend. Uh, this is actually the one time in the series that we see uh, one of the people in the relationship vilified that isn't Marcus. So that is actually super interesting to see. Um, earlier, I alluded to the fact that maybe the show goes out of its way to vilify its male characters a little much, but this is actually, this this provides a good balance. I mean, we've seen Marcus falter. We've seen him make mistakes and be a bad guy at times. And now, uh, you know, the romantic foil to him being Mia, we see her do the same thing. So I actually really appreciate the balance that that brings. And again, it's just really nice to see the two different perspectives coming into this romantic uh, relationship. Because she feels so guilty, she doesn't have it in her to explain to Marcus what she actually did. So rather than providing an explanation, she just outright breaks up with him. She just says, this isn't working for me anymore. I'm out. And just does it really quick tries to do it painlessly but doesn't realize the amount of pain that that's actually bringing to Marcus uh that's something that we really are going to explore in the next episode which actually happens to be one of my favorite episodes of the season so here we go so the next episode we see is called Yogi and Keon and essentially what's happening here is uh in the aftermath of Marcus's really rough breakup with Mia one thing I did want to note really quick is I don't think that there's ever a moment where Marcus is rejected in the series until now. So I think that's another reason why this hits him so hard. Even though he is a character that experiences plenty of like emotional turmoil, we, all the relationships we've seen to this point have either been um, neutral in their in their ending or actually uh, caused by Marcus. So I think I think it was nice to see him actually take that L in that way. And and again, one more thing I do want to note about his character. I, you know, I've mentioned that there's moments of him being a bad guy, and I actually want to mend that a little bit. I don't think that Marcus is ever a bad guy. I think he's always trying his best. He's always earnest, and he's even optimistic. Uh, I just think that he needs growing, and that's that's really all it is, is that he just hasn't grown up, let's say. But anyways, uh, Yogi and Keon, his two best friends, they decide to take him out into the woods. They get to stay in a yurt, and the whole point of here is to reconnect with the boys, take your mind off things, and kind of refine yourself in nature. I love seeing the connection between these guys. I mean, their chemistry is just on fire, especially when it comes to Yogi, but the 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 third energy that Keon brings into the mix really rounds out their whole dynamic as a trio. But one thing that we see is that Keon is clearly hiding something, and we've seen nuggets of this throughout the season. Um you know, he just is really weird. He's kind of fidgety. You don't know if that's just part of his character or if there's going to be more coming to it. But it does come to a head here. And basically, he reveals to Marcus, uh, me and your ex-wife are dating, and I love her. Um, this was another moment of just brutal honesty that I don't know how to feel about this either. I mean, 
this is one of Marcus's closest friendships that he has in the whole world, and here he is dating his ex-wife. Um, of course, that would that would feel like a betrayal to anyone. That would definitely feel like a betrayal to me. But later on, when that conflict really comes to a head and they're arguing about it, uh, Keon mentions to him, I mean, you emotionally neglected her for years even, and basically just uh started a and you emotionally cheated on her and started a relationship with somebody else essentially even though he didn't physically do that that's emotionally what he did and mm-hmm. when marcus is confronted with this fact he has to grapple with the fact that he might not be the best guy that he thought he was i don't know if he had acknowledged to that point the level of pain that he might have caused her um and maybe now he can understand that truly for the first time because he just had this the the breakup with Mia where he doesn't know where he stands. Um so yeah, I mean from this perspective, I really don't blame Keon. Uh I do think that love just happens sometimes and this is uh unfortunate truth of just how relationships can happen in the world. It's certainly messy, but by the end of the episode you see Marcus kind of come to terms with it and they're able to move forward in a positive way. That being said, before they get there, we get a uh, a really fun uh antic scene with uh before they had the whole argument marcus actually just on a whim just tosses back a bunch of mushrooms uh we've seen marcus be a bit impulsive when it comes to substances a bit throughout the series here earlier on he also just took a bunch of adderall even though that doesn't really seem like his character but as he's having this midlife crisis he's basically making these 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 jump to decisions very irrationally but but it's because he's just trying to figure himself out and he thinks, you know, at least in these moments of emotional turmoil, maybe taking these substances will help him find some clarity. Uh, the mushroom scene, I haven't seen psychedelics depicted so accurately as I have in in his specific little trip. Uh, how, how he is kind of seeing things in the water and it's just kind of falling forward and just slowly getting more confused and kind of lost in his own situation as he starts to actually get physically lost in the woods. It does present a scary situation and it highlights the strength of their friendship and how dedicated Keon and Yogi are to finding him and how scared they are that they might have lost what truly their best friend. By the time the episode ends, you see the trio really come and reconnect and Marcus and Keon are, uh, you know, they find equal footing. They He understands where he's coming from. And it was honestly a really cathartic moment just to see this friendship on display. I really appreciated it. Uh, it's something that was certainly present in the first season, but I think that season two does it a little bit better. And that might just be because of the, maybe I'm able to see that reflected to me more in a male trio than I am in the female friendships that were depicted mainly in season one. This episode ends on a note where Marcus actually gets to confront Emily and in a sense apologize to her. Um, again, a great cathartic moment for both of those characters and a much needed one as well. They actually hadn't even seen each other since they had the, their divorce. Again, very sweet, very necessary. However, this moment is cut short by Yogi coming in. Uh, you know, they're just kind of staring at each other. And then Yogi comes in and says, I got your bag, bro, as they're on their way out. And I, I don't know if I'm just uh, seeing this where it's not here. But for me, I think I got your bag, bro, is basically too close to the phrase, I got your back, bro. And it's just a quick little reminder as we end this scene that these friendships are here to stay and a reminder to the audience to rely on your friendships in your real life. I don't know. It's something I just really appreciated. 
So episode eight, uh, this is actually my favorite episode. It is called Marcus Watkins. And when I saw that that was the episode title, I was really excited because the emotions I have been feeling this whole time is, man, Marcus needs to figure himself out. He needs to grow up. And it's after he's basically he's come after the the Woods episode. He comes full circle on the original plot, which was his original marriage and how that ended, you know, and he he was able to come full circle and realize the the pain that he caused there and the mistakes he made and letting that relationship linger longer than it should have that he has, you know, that plus all the development he's had, the heartbreak, um, the multiple relationship with relationships he's had the ups and downs and even the potential fatherhood has kind of brought him to this point and the narration at the beginning of this episode was actually really funny because it sets you up uh at the beginning of a 2020 new year's party where (laughs) he's the narrator says that for the first time in a long time marcus is really ready to go and find a strong relationship and be the best version of himself he he can be for uh for a while now, he's been out of the market. Now he's ready to re-enter it. And he even says 2020 will be his year. Of course, that is juxtaposed by the quick deafening fact that 2020 is the year of COVID. Boo, boo, boo. The audience hates it, I know. Um, Coming into this, I actually, once I realized that this was going to be a COVID episode, I actually stopped watching it. I didn't want to watch another COVID episode. I've seen COVID uh, depicted in multiple shows that have come out in the last couple of years. And while all those depictions, I won't say they were bad, but I will say that, I mean, we're technically still in COVID. At the time of this recording, we already have a, a third variant of the COVID disease uh, potentially coming to put us back in a lockdown. And for me as an individual, I don't love seeing it depicted because COVID brought a lot of tough time for me as well, physically, mentally, all that good stuff. Um, And so I really didn't feel like watching this episode. It took me a week to actually uh, circle back and get back into it. Um, And to that point, I was basically binging the series. Um, That being said, I'm really happy I did get back to this episode. The way that they depicted COVID, I actually found a lot of catharsis in it. And I haven't seen a show do it better yet. So we jump right into what Marcus's experience is through COVID. And uh, it's a gross reminder of just how things really were. He is continuing his job uh, as an editor, but he's doing it over Zoom. We see him in a big meeting room with like, I don't know, nine or 12 people. And he's basically just like checked out completely until he's specifically called upon. You know, then he'll unmute, check in really quick, and then he's just right back out. Um, it, it sucks to see this because for Marcus's character, this is kind of taking some steps back, you know, Uh or, or is it really? I mean, on paper, you think he might be taking steps back, but this, the if there is a silver lining to COVID is that it has given people the chance, at least for myself and a lot of people I know, clearly Marcus here, to focus on themselves. Uh, time slows down a little bit and you actually have the time for self-reflection. And that can look really ugly a lot of times, but uh, it's on the other side of that where the growth really exists. Marcus is also living with someone at this point. Uh, He has a relationship. This is someone who we never really got to know. Um, But basically, very quickly, we see that he's not, this girl is not his person. She seems pretty cool. She's hot. Uh, She seems active. And she seems like she'd be a really fun person to hang out with. But uh, the way that they show, the metaphor they use to show that this isn't the right person for Marcus is that she basically isn't taking COVID seriously. She isn't sanitizing. She's still going out to yoga stuff. And basically, I mean, as as minimal as it might seem, 
just the fact that she doesn't take it very seriously just shows the different state of life that she is in than Marcus. I don't think that she's a bad person necessarily, but she just isn't on, she isn't really respecting it and taking COVID seriously. This is someone he has to be locked up with this whole, for the whole experience, you know? And so basically, you know, Marcus kind of realizes it. Uh, it Maybe he had this thought before, but in this moment, it's clear to him that this relationship isn't going to last very long. And as soon as he makes that realization, he ends it right there in that moment, uh, which obviously is a clear contrast from his opening relationship in the first episode where he lets that relationship go on, drag on for years and years before he does anything about it. And actually, he doesn't even do anything about it. He lets it blow up in his face and in her face and causes everyone around more pain. Um, so yeah, he basically just lets her know that. She doesn't take it super well, but in the long run, she is going to experience a lot less pain because he just ripped the Band-Aid off instead of letting it linger on too long. This is a great lesson for the audience to learn, and it's a great it's a great way to show us that Marcus has become the person he's supposed to be finally. He this is this is a this is proof that he's finally grown. If he hadn't grown, he would just keep living with her because so that way he had, he would at least have some company throughout COVID, you know. He would he would just bite through it and never never have that conversation with her. But now that he has had this growth, now that he's gone through everything that he has, he understands that this is the less painful route for her and he's able to Honestly, in my opinion, I think he 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 did a great job of breaking up with her, and I just really like to see that for Marcus. Another big way that the show doesn't pull its punches, uh, we get a somber reminder of the reality that was 2020, and uh, all of society got this reminder, of course, that uh, society isn't where it needs to be right now. Um, and we get that in the reminder of Joy- George Floyd and all the other tragedies that took place that year. And you really see it on Marcus's face. I have to give credit for Jackson William Harper again here, as uh, I think just in his facial acting, this isn't even in any physical dialogue yet, but just in his facial acting as he's reacting to the events with George Floyd, let's say, that not only is he heartbroken by this, but he's reminded of what reality is. Like, what is society right now? Um, Much like Marcus's character, I... I, it was easy for me to exist in a bubble. Again, I am a black man. You probably knew that. My name is Darius. But it, it's easy to forget. It's easy to feel like we've already made all the progress we need to make, um, especially if you just live in a progressive area, diverse area. It's easy to feel like we're there, but we're not there yet. You know, it was less than a century ago uh, that, you know, black people weren't accepted in society. Uh, if I were to, if I can get a little real here really quick on the Darius Show podcast, I actually know that my dad and my mom, when they were in high school and dating, um, people called my mom a nigger lover. And that's just, that's as recent as my mom being in high school. She even went to the same high school that I went to. Um, and it, yes, a lot of progress has been made in even just that one decade, you know, excuse me, not decade, generation, but it's, it, it, it's just important. I appreciate that the show takes the time to remind us and doesn't ignore that fact that a lot still needs to happen. Um, so for Marcus, that <laughs> that that manifests in his job, and um, we see we see the people at his job actually making. It seems like an attempt, although albeit a bit misguided, to uh, be on the right side of history and make a public statement in support of BLM. Um, however, as they present that towards Marcus. 
it, it, this is actually a gray area. I don't know if there's anyone to shift fault onto, but uh, Marcus doesn't take it well, and he feels offended by their proposal. Long story short, he quits. He tells off his boss, F you, you're a racist, I hate you, I'm out of here. And there was, this was actually a sweet moment. Uh, I don't want Marcus to lose his job because it is clear to me that he's good at it. However, I do think that this is clearly the right choice for his character. Um, throughout the show, we've seen that even though he has a good job, this isn't where he wants to be. We don't. He doesn't necessarily know where he wants to be, but for him, I think this job is a bit of a dead end, and I am happy that he quit it. Soon thereafter, uh, Marcus is reached out to from Mia again, and Mia clearly has gone on her own journey throughout COVID as well and become the person that she needs to be. We don't see her journey on screen. This is Marcus's story first and foremost, but it is revealed to us that she's gone to a lot of therapy and basically she's ready to confront the events that happened and why she broke up with him. Um, she asks if they can meet up and they do, which uh, brings us into our final episode that I really just love, guys. So here we go. Last episode, Love Life. Let's do it. So in, in the interaction that Mia and Marcus have, it's interesting to see the framing of this because as far as their relationship ending, Marcus didn't do anything wrong. Um, <laughs> it, it's very interesting. I mean, for you would think that it, it's just a surprising direction to take for the final kind of story uh, of this series is to not have the final, the main character have to make uh, the big turn, you know? It actually comes from Mia. And I, again, I really appreciate it. This show is really good at this series. This whole series is really good at having multiple main characters, even though the story revolves from one person's point of view. There are multiple main characters at play here, and I do really appreciate that. She explains her position to him. She gives context. She admits that it was a mistake, and she basically gives context as to why, what led her to make that decision and why she just kind of turned tail and ran. Um, I do like her. I do like her explanation. I see where she's coming from. Um, and again, she's not without her faults. She's just like Marcus is. She's got many layers and she has found herself back at this point um, where she can actually move forward as the healthiest version of herself. And uh, just like any good love story, <laughs> they come back together in the end. And it's a beautiful moment seeing them uh, basically make the decision. Yeah, let's do this. Let's try this again. We got this. And uh, episode 10 is actually called Epilogue, and you get to see their relationship unfold a little bit. This is a big turn from season one. Season one, we uh, her final partner for Darby, you, you see her get all the character development that she needs, but you see her meet her partner in the final episode, and he seems really awesome. I really like her partner. He's really cool, and their chemistry is really nice as well, but we don't get to know him. We don't get to know their relationship. Whereas uh, in season two, I actually really prefer this method um, is you get to see the relationship build over the course of like five to ten years here, really. I mean, is how long this character has been present in his life. Um, and it makes you really root for them. Even though <laughs> even though we spent all this time getting to Mia, I still in this final episode was waiting for the other shoe to drop. I was still somehow expecting for the relationship not to turn out. And again, like I've said all this time, love life has conditioned me to not trust it. I mean, like I said, season one ended with someone we just saw in that for in the final episode becoming her final partner. Um, <laughs> so I didn't expect for Mia to be endgame for him. And even though I wanted it, this is the relationship I was absolutely rooting for it to be the final, final relationship for him. But 
I just always had a sneaking suspicion that it wouldn't be. However, I was wrong. Kudos to the show because they continue to surprise me and they caught me off guard here. And they do end up having a lovely relationship. Uh, one thing I really like is the epilogue. You got to see them have a struggle in their relationship still. It wasn't just a neat bow in the end. Um, one thing I really like is that Mia really encouraged uh, Marcus to become a writer. And there, there was a really uh, drawn-out plot where it took Marcus a really long time to write his book. And, of course, that coincides with their first child, which just complicates things even further. And, you know, Mia's like, I got this, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll support us while you go write that book because I support your dreams. And there's even moments where you're seeing that play out over the course of really, like, two years and there is some resentment. Mia's like, okay, why am I working this hard if you're not going to be writing this book? And there's at times that Marcus really isn't writing it. You're thinking, oh, no, is this going to be the downfall of their relationship? But uh, it does come together in the end. Uh, Marcus ends up writing his book, and he ends up being relatively successful, so much so that he is able to afford buying them some time for Mia to go and pursue her passions, which is an awesome turn as well. Uh, what we see in the end here is an amazing couple, an amazing black couple that we honestly, I we don't get to see this much in fiction, in TV, media, whatever. We don't see these powerhouse black couples actually get together, stay together, have their struggles, and actually come out on, on the other side of it. We see two amazingly supportive individuals that we got to see their relationship unfold over the course of an entire season and what we're left with is my favorite relationship I've encountered in media yet. All in all, guys, I, I give this show some great high praise. I will say it's not perfect. Uh, there are episodes where there's certain choices that don't land with me in particular. Overall, though, I do think that even the moments that don't land perfectly are still overall in service of providing what can be considered a realistic situation. There's ups and downs. Um... There's every facet of his life that we get to see on screen here just works out beautifully in telling a real story. Um, if you're not convinced already, guys, give this show a watch. Actually, if you made it this far and you haven't seen this show, I have no idea what you're doing. That's a really weird decision on your part. But hey, I'll, I'll take any listen that I can get. <laughs> um, I do hope that this show has a, another season. If season three comes out, you can bet your bottom dollar that I'll be reviewing, recapping and discussing the hell out of that. Um, I'm excited to see what Marcus William Harper does next. Excuse me. I just mixed up the actor and the character's name. I'm excited to see what Jackson William Harper does next because so far everything that he does, he pops off screen and I really like, uh, I really like him as an actor. Uh, Love Life Season 2. I'm going to go ahead and call this a 10 out of 10, guys. Thank you for listening if you've listened this far. I'd appreciate any feedback. And, of course, please share, follow the podcast on any streaming service you got it on. Uh, you can email me at thedshow at gmail.com. That's T-H-D-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to this episode, and I love you.